Uh, we're we're going to do a lesson today. Um, we've heard a couple of times before. Uh, it was first preached in uh, uh, 2014. Did it again in two, uh, January of this year. And you say, well, why? You don't want to write a new lesson? No, this is just a very important topic. <laughs> that it takes a constant uh, strengthening and reminders and refreshing to really understand what's going on is the discipleship, the measure of maturity. And we did this earlier. I had gotten, we, Phyllis and I had gotten with a group uh, of, I think it was from the Young Professionals, and we asked, you know, how do you define maturity? And there was a lot of different answers. And, of course, a lot of times maturity is, is, is associated with age, right? It's associated with age. And uh, so I have a little test. You can take this. This is a, a spontaneous thing. Are you mature or not? Okay. If you can sing along with all the songs you hear on in the elevator, you're probably mature. If you watch the Weather Channel just for fun. <laughs> if you have three or more shows from the Hallmark Channel saved on your DVR. If you have gone, you used to have 130 days a year vacation, now you only have 14, now you're probably mature. If your car insurance goes down, but your car payments go up. If at 3 p.m. you start thinking about dinner, at 4 p.m. you start cooking dinner, and by 5 p.m. you've cleaned up all the dinner dishes and you're starting to think about going to bed, you're probably mature. Now, <laughs> speaking of... Uh, Speaking of food, if, if, if eating a basket of chicken wings at 3 a.m. actually upsets your stomach instead of settling your, you know, and, and, and red, then you're, you're probably mature. If a $4 bottle of wine is no longer called the good stuff, you're probably mature. If 90% of the time you spend in front of a computer is actually doing real work, you're probably mature. And if you consider getting old as becoming vintage, then you're definitely there. But age is no guarantee of maturity. Matter of fact, age is a high price to pay for maturity, I think. But we're not even just focused on maturity for maturity's sake. We're focused on spiritual maturity. What does it mean to be spiritual or spiritually mature? And again, like the question is, how do I measure it, right? Because that's our goal. Our goal should be, I want to become spiritually mature. You look in different passages. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, it says, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. So not just mature here, but Paul says, fully mature in Christ. James wrote in James chapter 1, verse 4, he said, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So here again, it's not just mature, but mature and complete. Now in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul has been talking about Jesus giving the church uh, uh, pastors and teachers and apostles and prophets and when he says pastors he's not referring to pastor like the role we have today pastors as elders and things like that and he says 
Jesus gave all of these people to the church and these roles for a purpose, and that was to mature the church. And if you pick up in verse 15, he says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So in every respect, the mature body. And then wrapping it on up in Hebrews chapter 6, and we really don't even specifically know who wrote Hebrews, but whoever it was was inspired by the Holy Spirit and is keeping on this same theme. He says there, therefore, let us move on, uh, I'm sorry, move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taking forward to maturity. This is always the goal. Sometimes we think, well, no, our goal is I want to get saved. That's not a bad thing. Get saved, I don't know. Uh, you know, my goal is to find a good church family, and that's not a bad thing either. But in the Bible, the goal is maturity, spiritual maturity, growing, maturing, becoming better, becoming stronger. And this is a lifelong goal. It's a lifelong work of the disciple. But the question is, how do you define it? Like, what is it? If you, if you can't define it, if you don't know specifically what does it mean, how can you go after it? Or, or how do you know if you even get it? Right? I mean, I guess, I guess you could stumble upon it, but if you did, you wouldn't know it because you don't know what it is. So I came up with several, like, criteria. You know, we asked that group, what is spiritual maturity that Phyllis and I met with? And we came up with several criteria. One was, was well, meet. You, you, every time the body meets, the church meets, they're there. That would be the sign of a spiritually mature person. Well, okay, that's a good thing. They would say, also, uh, this person would be evangelistic. They reach out like crazy. Everybody they meet, they share Jesus with. Oh, okay, that's a good one. They would have constant, consistent, meaningful uh, uh, times of prayer, times of Bible study. That would be a sign of a mature person. And then, of course, serving. They would be incredible servants. A spiritually mature person would be an incredible servant. And all of these things are, 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 are awesome things and great things. But I got to thinking, I go, you know, let's just take it, that first one, meet when the body meets. There's Christians around there, there. There are several people that meet every time the body meets, yet they're miserable. They're selfish. They're sitting there, they're coming to the meeting saying, serve me, serve me, give to me, meet my needs, embrace me. Instead of being like Jesus, always showing up to serve and to give. So just showing up doesn't necessarily make me mature. Reaching out, being evangelistic, and that's a, that's a great thing. But you know what? There are millions of people who are incredibly evangelistic who don't even believe Jesus is the Son of God. So just being evangelistic doesn't necessarily in and of itself make me mature. Certainly having meaningful quiet times, meaningful times of studying my Bible and prayer, that certainly would make me spiritually mature. Although you, you realize that there are tons of people, people who have PhDs in the Bible who don't believe the Bible is the Word of God. As a matter of fact, I think I shared this with you before about a, a friend of mine who was trying to get his PhD from the Harvard School of, of Theology. Most people don't know Harvard was established and founded as a, as a biblical school, a theological, theological school, before it became Harvard Law and all of that stuff. <laughs> but they refused to give him his Ph.D. because he, re, he said, no, I believe the Bible is the Word of God. 
They said, well, we're not going to give you your PhD. So just, now these guys know a lot of Bible. But that doesn't necessarily make them spiritually mature. Serving. Now, certainly that does. I mean, that's Jesus, right? I mean, Jesus is serving. Certainly. Yet there are millions of people who are even atheists who serve incredibly. Matter of fact, sometimes when you take God out of the picture and a humanist, they say all there is is each other and humans, and so they're very serving for each other because in their world paradigm, that's all there is is each other. And they'd be incredibly serving. It actually can be dangerous for Christians, for disciples, because sometimes we hide our immaturity behind our serving. And, uh, you know, the serving, I'll serve. It's a very selfish serving because I will only serve under my terms, my way, the way I want to. But I will serve. So these things don't necessarily define spiritual maturity. So how do you define it? And it was interesting, the group we talked to finally came to the conclusion, you can't define it. Oh, ho, ho, but we can. (laughs) And if you remember back in January, we did define it. Spiritual maturity is being like Jesus. And the degree to which someone is or is not like Jesus is the degree to which someone is or is not spiritually mature. Whether they've been around for 20, 30 years or two months. The degree to which someone is or is not like Jesus is the degree to which someone is or is not spiritually mature. How much I'm like Jesus reflects my spiritual maturity. And we're always called to be like Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12 said, Jesus left us as an example to follow in his steps. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 said, Paul said of the church in Thessalonica, he was telling those guys, he says, you became a model, you became an example, you were what everybody is shooting for by imitating Paul and imitating the Lord. 1 Corinthians 11.1, Paul calls all disciples in the church at Corinth. He says, guys, follow follow my example. Why? Because I'm following Jesus' example. I'm just doing what Jesus does. Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Jesus lives in me. Being like Jesus is the whole goal. That's what spiritual maturity is. And discipleship is the path to being like Jesus. Well, I understand what I mean by discipleship, because sometimes we use this word disciple or discipling or discipleship. But what I'm talking about is discipleship, meaning I am a disciple of Jesus. I do what he does. I try to think like he thinks. I try to act like he acts. I try to process and respond as he would process and respond to things. That is what a disciple of Jesus is. Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. Without without discipleship, Christianity does not exist. Because becoming like Jesus is what activates the Christian faith. Not going to church... Not singing a song, not every praise, 
Those are all good and well, and they can encourage and inspire, but that is not what the faith is all about. Here's the challenge, though. Non-discipleship Christianity dominates much of the thinking in contemporary churches. Many, many modern evangelical churches, they, they pose a danger by presenting an alternate gospel, a parallel gospel, or if you will, a two-tiered gospel. Okay? One is you believe in Jesus and accept him as your savior and your old and then if you want to get real serious, then you be a disciple. Over here, now we're all saved by grace, so you don't have to really be a disciple. And they, they make, it's okay to have this two-tiered system. As long as you're coming to church, kind of doing your thing. And as a result of churches teaching this, accepting this, even encouraging this, what they do is, is they're not only claimed to be saved by grace, they've been paralyzed by it. When you take out that component of being like Jesus, and living your life and striving for that. Discipleship defines my relationship with Jesus. And the depth of that relationship reflects my maturity. Now again, let me be clear. I'm not talking about the discipleship like I got a discipleship partner and we get together and we talk. I mean, that's good and that's helpful and that's you. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the heart and the commitment and the paradigm that says I am. I'm trying and striving to the best of my ability with all of my energies to be like Jesus. My heart, my focus, my commitment is on being his disciple. Consider that Jesus never called anybody to become a Christian. He never called anybody to join a church as we understand the word. He always and repeatedly called people to be disciples, to be his disciples. Faith begins on that path of following. In Luke chapter 9, verses 22 through 25, Jesus is calling people. He's evangelizing, he's sharing his faith. And he tells them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. He didn't say Whoever wants to get really serious about this should do this. He goes, no, you want to be my disciple? You want to follow me? You want to be a part of what I've got going on? He uses the word must. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow. Go wherever he goes. Do whatever he does. That's what follow means. Follow the leader, right? Pretty simple game. Except it's kind of hard to do sometimes. Because whoever wants to save their life, you want to keep that, into, that, that, oh, I'm going to say, I want to do what I want to do. He says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me, he said, will end up saving it in the long run. Then he asked the question, what good is it for somebody who's going to gain the whole world? What was that, 200, was it $300, $300 million lottery, Powerball? Did anybody win that? I didn't buy a ticket, so I didn't even look. But let's just say you did and you won. He said, what good is it if you do that yet lose or forfeit their very self? 
Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him. Discipleship isn't just a program in the church, okay? It's not just an event. It's a way of life. It's not for a limited time. It's for our whole life. I found in my life, when I stop trying to be like Jesus, then I actually start going the other direction. I actually start growing less and less. It's not like I've grown to be like Jesus in this. I'm going to push the pause button. I'm going to ride this one for a while. I'm like Jesus. It's enough right now. I may grow later, but right now this is good. I'm going to coast. Because what I find in my life is, is I start becoming more and more like Tracy and less and less like Jesus. The only way I can keep from becoming more and more like Tracy is to constantly be focused on trying to become more and more like Jesus. And so it's, it's a thing that goes through our whole life, a lifelong pursuit. It's just not something the church does. It's all that the church does. And it's why the church does what it does. It's not just a part of the advancement of God's kingdom, but the existence of serious disciples. The existence of people who are serious about committing their life to being like Jesus is the most important evidence of God's work on earth. But it's funny how we got to constantly talk about this. We got to constantly be refocusing. It's puzzling how we, we struggle to keep disciple making at the center of everything we do when Jesus said, basically, guys, go make disciples. We get distracted with all of these other things that are good things and right things, but Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and feed the hungry. He didn't say, go into all the world and help the homeless. Go into all the world. All of those are good and right and godly things, but he said, go make disciples. Because that's the center and the key of what he was all about. Why don't we automatically just put it at the center of everything we do, right? It's automatically at the center of my walk with God. I don't know. I don't know why we don't automatically do it. We just drift. We've got to constantly be reminded. So last year, I'm sorry, 2014 we talked about it. January, the beginning of this year we talked about it, and we talk about it again. And in January, I asked everybody that was here to think through your life and focus on one thing. You remember that? One thing. Now, some of us had a struggle with the one thing. Because you go, I got too many things. I can't narrow it down to one thing. And I kept saying, no, just one. And I started thinking about that. I was going, what if I have too many things? I can't just do one. Okay, okay. How many you got? I mean, if you wrote down a list, these are the things I've really got to go after to change to be like Jesus. Not just change to be a better person, because, okay, I can be a better person, that's nice, but we want to be spiritually mature. To be like Jesus. Five things? Ten things? Maybe you would write down a list of 15 things in your life that you need to really change. Maybe you're really horrible and it's 20. Okay? Then now you're bragging after that. Now you just, I know some people say, you ain't confessing, you're bragging. But I asked, and I will do it again right now. If you have been a disciple, been a Christian, going to church and really working on your life and following God for 20 years or more, raise your hand. 
Okay, that's a lot of us. A lot of us. Where would your life be right now if you had just done one thing each one of those years? How spiritually mature would I have been if I had just said one thing each year? But see, what happens is, is well, I got 20 things, and then what do I do? I freeze. I go, oh, I can't, I can't. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to, and, and I freeze, and, and then nothing ends up happening. So 20 years goes by, and guess what? My list is still 20 things. So that's why I say, guys, one thing. Truth is, we are saved by grace. Okay, so if I die before the next 20 years, okay, but I'm still saved by grace. But I'm, I'm a disciple. I'm focused on it. One thing. And if you did that every year. Now, teens, this is where you got it made. Because you can start now. In campus, you can start now with your one thing. And 20 years, which I know that seems like an eternity to you, but you'll get there. Think of how spiritually mature you'll be if you say, I just did one thing a year, man. One thing a year. One thing a year. And I can focus on that one thing. Next year, I'll pick something else. And next year, I'll pick something else. Where will you be in your spiritual maturity in five years, ten years? So teens, you got it made if you go after it now. Campus, you got it made. The rest of us, well, look, I think most of us, we got another 20 years in us. Some of you, you answered yes to too many of those opening questions, I don't know. But even if you don't, it doesn't matter. It's never too late. So I ask you, how's it going with your one thing? I'm asking you now because Coming up this week, actually somewhere in the middle of July 1st and 2nd, is exactly the middle of the year. So, you still got six months. So, it's not done. You got six months. So, if you're sitting here thinking, how's it going? Terrible. As a matter of fact, I forgot all about it. Now, I'm blessed because my wife every now and then will say, how are you doing with your one thing? You know, and that's good to have somebody keeping you, reminding you. We need to do that for one another. And that's a, that's a good thing. But say that didn't happen, you say, ah, oh, I forgot all about it, but you're right, I need to do that. I need to grow, I need to be more like Jesus. It's not too late. you still got six months. So just recommit to it. Figure out what is my one thing. And this is how you do it. You take your list of how many, and you say, i got to boil this down to three. Okay, then you boil it down to three. Then you say, okay, i got my three. Now, Take one away. Now, it's not that it's not important. You just got to prioritize. This is not optional. You got to do it. Don't give yourself an out. Now you're down to two. But you're also down to six months. So you got to get rid of one. And that's how you do it. You bring it down to that one, one thing. And have another one you do start in January 2017. You can jump on that one. You'll be ahead of everybody else. You already got your one thing for next year. Now, maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, no, I'm doing pretty good, man. I've been focused on it, been remembering it, been doing it. I, I feel, I'm, I mean, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm saying I'm just like Jesus, but I've been growing to be more like Jesus. I'm more spiritually mature in this area. That's great. I want to encourage you now. You've got the second half of the year. Kick it into a higher gear. Take it even deeper. Stay on that one thing. Don't say, I'm there, I'm done, I'm moving on. No, just stay on it. Perfect it if you can. 
But just go deeper on that one thing. We also talked about one thing as a church. Okay? And that was reaching out and bringing other people to faith. Bringing other people to spiritual maturity. Not just membership. But bringing them to being like Jesus. Calling them not just to be a member of this church. There's churches all over. Okay? I'm not trying to convert somebody. Just a church. Come to us. You know, I mean, be like Jesus. We want to help you be like Jesus. And we want to help people answer that call that Jesus said, be a disciple, not just a churchgoer. To help people start on that exciting and real path to spiritual maturity. And as we've shared before, we're doing better this year than we did, than we did last year. Many more people uh, are, are being baptized into Christ, but there's so much more to do. We need to kick it into a higher gear as a church. We need to take it deeper. And we're going to stay on that one thing for this year. We're not going to move on. We're going to keep focusing. We're going to focus on it. And I want to remind us of the verse we looked at just a few minutes ago in Ephesians chapter 4. Where it said, speaking the truth in love, okay? It says, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. Where are you right now in becoming in every respect the mature body of Christ? Take that self-personal inventory. Where do you need to mature? Where do you need to grow? What's your one thing? Spiritual maturity. It's the degree to which I am or am not like Jesus. And commit today to becoming in every respect the mature body of Him. No matter how long it takes you. You see, I can commit to every respect, but this year I'm just tackling one of those respects, and then I'm going to add another respect and add another respect. You see what I'm saying? But commit to it. This is where I'm going. This is what I want to do. Start with that one thing for you. One thing for you and one thing for the church. And when we do this together, we will, as a church, be held together by every supporting ligament and as it grows and it builds itself up as each part, the teen ministry, the campus ministry, the young professionals ministry, the families, the more mature, uh, salty edge as they call themselves, as every supporting ligament does its work, we will in every respect become the mature body of Christ. Amen. Right.